0: Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street. It's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Red Team Reviews Podcast where we're fucking here again. God damn it. Oh my God. <laughs> I I I like being here. Uh, it's just the thing of like, we don't really come back to things a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, either we were going to do this in one big swoop,
0: or Which, we were no. going to do
1: it this way. Yeah, no, we that would be exhausting. <laughs> um, similar to how we tried to do like
0: the, what was the last time? What was the last thing we did? with
1: We did the prequels.
0: Um, Star Wars, yeah, is the main, the main thing we kind of, like, really come back to. And even then, it's been a while since we've done Star Wars. And it, we won't do any more for
1: another few months, so. Um, yep. But yeah, we gotta, this is, the that's the funny thing about this episode. Do you want to do the names?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the voice you are currently listening to, uh, I am TJ Patrick. And yeah, I'm uh, Trevor Canoano.
1: Joined... Oh, sorry. I thought you weren't going to do it. <laughs>
0: you've done
1: that well Uh, when you when you say i am tj patrick and uh this is and then i think that you're not going to do one and so you need to make it very clear
0: that you're doing a bit joined as i do a bit literally every episode joined by the bucky to my falcon because yes yeah that that works i'm I'm fine with that (laughs) um
1: trevor catalano
0: Yes, he is a uh, sleeper agent from the Russian military. Mm -hmm. And
1: then we're occasionally lying next to each other, covered in spider webs, and he goes, I hate you.
0: I mean, that's not the worst way to describe Tor, so. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor Catalano. Um, No, so so the weird
1: thing about this episode... Um, A is that I literally am so proficient in these, especially phase three movies. I did not rewatch all of them and I'm literally folding laundry right now, which is how confident I am in my takes. Um, But like we're not doing all of it and we're not even doing it like chronologically, quote unquote, because like there's so much going on in this that like to give you a little preview, like Black Panther is going to be at a different point. Captain Marvel is going to be at a different point in like episodes that are structured, not around Marvel. We're going to talk about them in other contexts. And then we ain't even talking about Spider-Man until we can talk about all of
0: Spider-Man. Basically anytime there's a lot a reasonable reason to save any of these movies for a separate episode we have.
1: And so the obvious thing to do would be to talk about all of the like sequels and like, high like and like trilogy tie-ups and then talk about Infinity War and Endgame in its own episode. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about the only original character we're going to be talking about today is Doctor Strange. And the rest of the original like emerging uh characters from Phase 3 will won't be until their own their own episodes. Um and so we're only going to talk about Civil War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um Thor Ragnarok, well, okay, on, Guardians Volume 2. Let's
0: let's, let's like somewhat try and like do this in order (laughs) all right whatever (laughs) because that might get confusing with like wait a minute you said you were gonna do this um so yes captain america civil war then dr strange then guardians volume two then thor ragnarok and then ant-man and the wasp is gonna be god where we fucking end this runaway train that is the mcu (laughs) um Oh, did TJ. Oh. Oh. I'm looking at this. TJ. Mmm. Got. You know how there's a place beyond yelling? There's a, a place where TJ just legit stopped taking notes for three whole ass movies. Uh, so, God. Oh, boy. And then you should see the essay I've written on Civil War. <laughs> So it's the juxtaposition of, like, the first movie has so much that I need to actually save for myself. And then almost the rest of it is just like, I'm good. I don't need to. Well, okay. All right. So you're going to be this guy today, which I'm just is fine. Saying. I just think we it's We all funny. know who this
1: TJ is if you've been watching this, if you've been listening to this show.
0: This is the same Day week to week. <laughs> you're full of shit.
1: You have, you have chips. You have moments where you're like, mm, I'm going
0: to be this way. Um, I have moments when I know I'm going to reach opposition. And then there are episodes where I'm surprised that I meet, that I met with opposition. Right. right. <laughs> like, so, like Scooby Doo.
1: <laughs> right. Where you didn't realize you'd care that much. Um, right. <laughs> So yeah, okay. But, I mean, I guess we're going to get into it. These are movies that millions of people have seen.
0: So like, if you don't know these movies and you've gotten this far, like, why are you here? Um, also, yeah, like we never, it's not like the subject material for any of these episodes is ever hidden. So if you're, if you're listening to this, hopefully it's not just because you've auto played the show and now can't reach the stop button. And oh no, what is this horrible, <laughs> horrible thing that you've done? Um. Hopefully, it's because you've you've gone. Yes, I've seen all of Phase Three, or at least the movies that you're talking about, and I'm okay with this. Um, there might be a chance that we mention f- future things just because of the nature of Phase Three and the nature of us hopping. It's around. been, it's been two years since Infin- since Endgame. It's been one week. It's been what? Since you looked at me. All
1: right. <laughs> it's been um. It's been two years since the end of Endgame. Like, if you don't know
0: that, redacted. Then, like, sorry, I just did that for you. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm gonna oh, okay. That's where I kind of draw the line. I'm like, all right, where well, I'm not just gonna sit here and li- list okay the well If you if you have seen it, and so let's
1: say let's say you're a peripheral Marvel person, and you're like, you know, what Spider Man's my favorite. I'm just gonna see the Spider Man movies, and then you saw Far From Home. It's like you know, so like, come let's on.
0: try and say, let's try and just say in general. I hope that you've seen the Infinity Saga. Let's not try and talk about the shows. <laughs> because that's its own episode. God. Jesus. Fuck. Oh my. Ugh.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, I don't think anything particular in this would loan itself to the shows besides, like, character dynamics, which, like, change, but, like, they don't really. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So, phase three. Do we want to set the scene of where we were you mean like me child babyface me
1: <laughs> <laughs> Babyface,
0: this is the second year i knew you <laughs>
1: yeah that's true um yeah this is the year we met is when we did you were you at were you did you see civil war with us i
0: didn't see civil war with you no okay um but i know this is 2016 so like that was the only
1: movie to come out when we were in the internship though because doctor strange came out later like that that following fall Um, Which is funny because you guys have all heard Kat Patterson on the show in various episodes. Kat and I saw Doctor Strange on the night of the 2016 election. We went into that movie very confident. We left that movie thinking we crossed into another universe. Um, That's fair. And so I have a weird thing about Doctor Strange ever since. But anyway, yeah. Going in, I mean, here's the thing. I... I had read the Civil War comic. I had played an iteration in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 of Civil War. Like, I understood the dynamics. I was really curious as to how they were going to unfold all these characters. And so, like, I was jazzed. I was ready. Ant-Man gave me some new energy after Age of Ultron was, like, tough. And I also remember saying to you last episode, Age of Ultron is the movie that made me go, okay, I'm not going to take franchise movies too seriously. Um, because so many of my friends like were up in arms about it. And I was like, it's, it's the Avengers. It's not a big deal. They'll fix it if it was wrong, whatever. Um, and so that's where I was at going into phase three.
0: I will say, uh, I do know that I did watch, uh, I think, Ant-Man while we were in that place that shall not be named. Um, you were, I wasn't there yet. Ye- yeah, that timeline's weird. But yes, because I know I saw it with, my, I saw
1: Ant Man alone
0: in a theater in rural Minnesota while I was on tour. I know, and I'm pretty sure I saw Ant Man with my ex. So that's why I'm like, that timeline's all weird. Uh, all right, because <laughs> I'm like, we didn't immediately meet and then just start dating. There was time. Um, so oh yeah, and also side note, I don't think
1: anybody expected Thor Ragnarok to be what it was going to be, and so that was also no. Once to the trailers mentioned that, everything we did, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah once the trailer did but but like knowing it was on the slate way back because this was way back when Inhumans was still on the slate um
0: oh god yeah yeah I
1: know right um knowing Thor Ragnarok was on the slate and the design was completely different this was before Taika even signed on to do it I don't think anybody cared it was like gonna be like okay cool Thor is gonna be come back at some point we'll see the movie yada 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 and then that happened so oh boy
0: sorry back to you back to you now back to me (laughs) Look at, look at Thor. Look at Loki. Back to me. Get help. Um, So, Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So, Civil War. I think the most obvious thing, the elephant in the room, we just need to get out of the way right here, right now. The most tired thing you can say about Civil War is, it's basically an Avengers movie. I'm not here. For this tired bullshit of everyone saying the exact same thing about a movie and then feeling validated because they're just saying the same thing that 50 other people have said.
1: Well, not only that, but like, who cares if it's just another Avengers movie? Yeah, also who cares? It can, like, I'm sorry, when you get to phase three, you're dealing with all the characters are all going to be in each other's shit from now on unless you're Shang-Chi. And even then, um, there's references and everything. That's how the MCU works. Everything from here on in is part of the Avengers narrative. And so to say this is Avengers 2.5, yeah, sure. But, like, it's not a bad thing. I like what happens with most of these characters. And, like, I think that there are emotional arcs for Steve specifically that get at least plenty of screen time or at least the climax is about steve and so it's a it can be a captain america movie
0: i mean i feel like people are kind of like they're dancing around the edge of what the actual problem is but they're so quick to just make an easy joke that nobody actually is thinking about the actual problem the actual problem so so let's let's
1: yeah let's let's flip this for once why don't you start with the problems of the movies and i'll redeem them
0: it's okay. Let's not do this thing where I'm just wrong about everything and you have to fix all my opinions. <laughs> I would like to be able I would like to be able to give you
1: to give you something to be able to say like, "Oh yeah, you're right. I actually had never thought of it that way." I want to give that to you. But we typically don't get to do that when I go first. So go. <laughs> um
0: so I think I forget No, I think it was legitimately within the setup of the initial mission in Lagos, right? Yeah. Okay. So while that was happening, literally not the fight, the actual setup of the mission where they're doing recon, I stopped the movie and I was like, I immediately see the problem. The issue is not, oh, it's just a light, Avengers light. No, the issue is that the order of events, with the benefit of hindsight, is messy. And what we really needed, now knowing how much of a wet fart Age of Ultron ended up being, it's like, well, we really could have used a movie with Cap leading this new group of Avengers, and that's more about that. Like... Because right now, I'm in this movie and I'm just seeing Cap like pilot all these people in a Captain America movie. And it's just like, oh, something's like not, something's off about this. And I think that's exactly it. This is the first time we're seeing the new Avengers, but we're seeing the new Avengers in a Captain America movie first. And I'm like, okay, I think if these people had like, a movie especially with somebody like wanda who is very new very fresh into this to more establish her like role and her dynamics with characters i feel like that kind of needs a separate movie because you find out real quick this is not really about fleshing out other characters even though there's a swath of other characters in this movie this movie is about captain america rightfully so and that's i think where this dissonance kind of happens of like it is a very captain america story it is a captain america focused story within the skeleton of what maybe should have been a proper avengers movie and so it's this thing of like i don't want to just call this avengers light because when you actually look at the story this is a captain america story through and through but that's kind of the problem is that like okay there's kind of two different things happening at the same time on a metatextual level in that you now have characters like black the introduction of black panther you have clint coming out of first of all clint being established as retired and then coming out of retirement in the same movie you have ant-man interacting with all these other characters for the first time you have wanda for the first time like actually having character development you have vision actually being developed for the first time since age of ultron you have all these other things going on that is kind of distracting from how good of a captain america movie this is so so your so your argument is more or less that it's like it is
1: two half movies stitched
0: together. It feels like it and that's not even necessarily an insult or like a criticism. Yeah, I don't I
1: don't think it is. It's
0: just like a thing of okay, now I know why this feels so peculiar. It, why it feels so specific because I was a lot of it was this watching this movie with the benefit of hindsight of the entire Infinity Saga. It's such a roller coaster of like this scene is really good. This scene, um, ah, god, why are we here? I don't know why. Oh, I mean, yeah, this scene is also good. Oh, why is that here? I don't know why it's here. And it's just like kind of you what
1: I'm actually really curious as to what you think doesn't belong.
0: I mean, it's not even that, like, I think something straight up doesn't belong. It's the like, how you introduce Tony is very Avengers-esque. In the sense that Avengers are these event movies that kind of have to bear the burden of, okay, we know we might actually get for once, a lot of casual people in this audience. So we kind of have to reintroduce the big characters Mm -hmm. in case you skipped their solo movies. But this, again, is a Captain America movie. So reintroducing Tony Stark here feels weird. It feels like... I mean, he hasn't, in theory, been in a Captain America movie. I mean, yes, that's fair. But my point is that, like that reintroduction thing works as a valid excuse, but it's never good. I it's It's never a good thing to have to like, because Marvel's not always great at how they reintroduce characters, because sometimes they will run into the thing of, oh, we have to reestablish a thing that's been so heavily established in other movies That it feels very tired. Case in point, you know what motivates Tony? Guilt. Guilt is the thing that motivates Tony. We've only, you know, spent two whole ass movies and all of Age of Ultron on that. But yeah, let's reintroduce that concept here. And I'm like, I, oh... I literally saw this and was like, specifically the, um, I thought, yeah, the going into his head to see the memory and all that stuff is very awkward (laughs) during a presentation to all these like fucking students. I was like,
1: yeah, I get that. (laughs) It's, it's definitely more of a narrative device to set up. It's a narrative device to set up the last night he sees his parents, which is then directly referenced later in the movie.
0: Right. That's why I'm I'm like, there's a there's clearly better ways you can do this. Like movies have been doing this song and dance forever. Like, oh, I had a dream about the last day I saw my parents. That's weird.
1: And even then, the the pre the pre title sequence is him killing the parents as well. And we kind of rehash that a lot so like you can't you yeah i i think you didn't need it you're right i think alfred woodard could have been in any situation uh approaching tony but i again we do know that that technology comes back so i'm not gonna say where because if people haven't seen stuff but like so again it's marvel being marvel in a way like you're valid in this but like they were doing something
0: else. Right. I get that. But also um, the mom tracking down Tony is an excellent example of in an Avengers movie, you have the excuse that you need this scene to reestablish what Tony's deal is. Tony's deal is that, you know, he used to be this terrible dude and he's now on this journey of redemption and finding new self-worth and all this stuff but he's still dealing with the baggage of his past. That's literally been the point of every Iron Man movie and also Age of Ultron. And so now we also have to sneak it into the reintroduction of Tony. And I'm like, buddy, it's been a while.
1: Can I I make one other argument? He's the number two paid actor in the entire movie. (laughs) So like, I think it's a screen
0: time thing as well. (laughs) I mean, that's fine. I'm just saying that like- Having t- having Tony be on the hook for a single person that died- Oh, yeah, like, I always found that weird. For a thing that kind of was his fault, but, like, the actual direct death was not his fault is a thing that, like, right. feels like a narrative shortcut by a writer to reinforce a pivotal theme- of Tony, which will come into play of why Tony's such a dumbass in the movie. It's like a real sneaky way to kind of like just go like, oh, hey, here's a catch all reason for why Tony is the way he is in this movie, which is thoroughly established in other movies. But we can't rely on that. And again, for an Avengers movie, I let that go and I'm like, OK, fine. We kind of need that for the casuals. For this, it's just like, I don't think it's out of line to say in a Captain America movie, I don't care that much about Tony Stark. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care that much. A lot of people do, though. <laughs> like, I care about do. him as a character that exists in this universe and is done very well. But in the sense of, like, who needs a lot of time in the oven, I'm like, Tony's one of the first people that I'm like, I've had like four movies to establish this. I don't need that as a viewer. So that's not great. Um, But and then you have other scenes like I've seen people really complain about Wanda and Vision and say that, like, they're a really boring part of the MCU and I'm like, it sounds like you just want shooty, shooty, bang, bang, pow. Yeah, no. And you don't have the attention span to just watch two people fall in love in the midst of this.
1: So can we, yeah, let's transition for a hot sec. Like, this is like one of the reasons Civil War is one of my favorites. And like, so don't feel bad about saying things about it. It's fine. I can deal with it. Um, But this is one of the best chances that these actors get to fucking act. Like, if you've ever seen the... The green screen, like Captain Marvel flying, like behind the scenes takes. It's like it's Brie Larson in like half the costume and the rest is like CGI points. And like her hair is even in the CGI cap so they can make her hair flow um, and stuff like that. And she looks like she's just having a terrible time doing the thing you need to do to make superhero movies. And that's what all of them have been doing for years. And this is a case where they actually go out of their way to give them moments as people first to set up this larger conflict that then ends in a really cool, I mean ends, then culminates in one point in a really cool battle of superhero versus superhero that you don't know who's going to come out on top, how they're going, how it's going to change relationships, yada, yada. Like some of the best moments in this film are when Vision and Wanda are just alone making making pepper-kesh. And getting to like grow with each other and things like that. The moment where she's watching the news and Vision accidentally comes through the wall instead of the door because he's learning. Those are just little moments where I'm like, great, I love all of this because it gets it's it's so much meatier than a lot of the stuff we've done. And the best, some of the best two scenes in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are when Ross is explaining the Segovia chords and then they're talking about it, and then people are like giving you their takes along with their characters. People are surprising you because everyone's like, "Nat, you're, you're for this. Like there are so many little thing, like little things along the way that keep you interested and that give these actors a chance to do the acting they could do outside of this movie. Um, I think the scene between Tony and Steve, once they're captured in Romania um, and they're about to see the.
0: Uh, basically Bucky's about to like, get. Terminated. Oh, they're
1: about to the, the interrogation. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the scene where he gives them the pens and everything like that is, again, one of the better scenes between the two of them, where they're able to take a little bit more time to lay out their grievances and, like, try to reconcile, but then it's not working because they're still not seeing eye to eye. Like, those are the movement moments, like, we can we can forego a lot of the superhero sit- shit for that stuff. Yeah,
0: like, um, you know what, I'll circle back to that scene. So, um, basically, yeah, like, what you said... Uh, about like you know this is the really one of the few times that a lot of these actors get to really act um the cap Wanda well first off Lagos is really milked really milked really hard because again yeah cause of Rumlo and Bucky but well no I mean in terms of like oh Scarlet Witch did this horrible terrible awful thing and I'm like it really could have been worse <laughs> Like, she took out a corner of a building. And a
1: lot of people died, and it's... I think literally, like, when they try to make it to that, like, oh, Wakandans died, and that's a big deal because Wakandans don't go anywhere. But, like, again, it like, you're right. It's not quite translating compared to Sokovia. Like, it's entirely It's different.
0: basically, like, and we run into this thing again of, of what I was talking about with the whole Tony stuff. When Ross comes, he has to recap all the other shit, and that's why it's like, okay... Th- Stuff like this is what make it feels what makes it feel like an Avengers movie more than the cast. The fact that we have to kind of, all right, let's catch up on Avengers 1 and Avengers 2. Like mostly. Like they don't really And Captain America, so and Cap and Winter Soldier. Like there's not much said about the downfall of SHIELD, but there is literally a name drop and footage from the first Avengers movie. So it's like Alright, I mean, did we really need the recap? The Of all people, these are the people that don't need a recap on <laughs> what the fuck happened, Ross.
1: Yeah, they're just hammering. Because that's the thing, is that, like, the, at the end of the day, there's the debate about, is Tony right, is Steve right? Like, in a way, they both are and both aren't. You know who's yeah. really wrong? It's fucking Ross. Like when he looks at when he looks at Cap and he goes, "Do you know where Hulk and Banner are right now?" And he's like, "If I if I misplace two two uh, megaton nukes, I'd be in big trouble." It's like, "Well, dude, you did once misplace one of those nukes, motherfucker. You're kind of responsible for one of them existing. So fuck you." And it's also just the wrong approach to get the Avengers on your side. You're not going to get them on your side by guilting them into this situation. You're going to get them on their on your side by not writing everything in their absence. Like, like, these are world players. That'd be like writing. That'd, that'd be like the Geneva Convention, um, you know, where or the Treaty of. No, sorry. Wait, Treaty of Versailles. Which one was sorry. Fuck. Which one's the one Don't you
0: ask me. from World War One?
1: I? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the one that screwed over Germany um, and and helped cause World War Two. Like, that's what you did is you wrote this entire thing without without any sort of input as to like how it can feasibly work with this independent body um, in the name of like being righteous, which is, uh, you know what? Here's a good comparison. It's the fucking Patriot Act. It's like you are short-sighted on all of this as to what you actually need them for, how you're actually going to utilize them. You just want to grab the power and 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 react to things. And so it's, it's a terrible political move that causes them to lose the Avengers entirely. And so like, that's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think you really considered that. I think that you thought that they would all just hop on because they're the heroes and you got to get the get the brownie points, and in the end you end up losing the Avengers, which then creates a rift for other shit to happen. Like so again, Ross is the wrong one. So in all that's this. really
0: interesting that you brought this up first, because um You know, technically speaking, they don't lose the Avengers. Technically speaking
1: they just go underground
0: kind of two ways that you can go about this in a hypothetical like redoing and reshuffling around of things in the mcu there's kind of two different ways you can come about this point right here you either do a captain america 3 where you do all this there and then you have a secret avengers type thing where they're like they're trying to be Avengers while yeah. also running from Iron Man and the government and th- stuff like that. Or you just literally flip it where the whole Avengers conflict is from Tony and Steve kind of fighting about the Avengers in an Avengers movie. And then the fallout happens in a captain America three movie where he's like officially like nomad at this point. Um, But yeah, it's like, that's why it kind of, it makes me really go like, yeah, we probably should have, instead of whatever happened with Ultron, some stuff really should have been shuffled around so that that slot could have been where you do one of those two things. Because, yeah, as it is now, this movie's carrying a lot of plates that it has to keep spinning. I mean,
1: it does more for the franchise than the second Avengers movie.
0: which is (laughs) very telling. (laughs) Um, And again, I
1: think here's the thing. I think again, I think there's so many factors to this, too, that we all know because it's all the media ever talks about is that also like Joss Whedon was supposed to take us into the Infinity Saga, like the Infinity, like the Infinity War. And then he did Age of Ultron and then they were like, Nah, fuck this, like you fuck this up, dude. Um, And then he went on to fuck up Justice League. Um, And so I think that a little bit of this is like franchise wise, the Russo reboot where it's like, Hey, the roosters are going to take this. This is going to like set us up like for success. And we're going to probably spend a lot more time in this movie than some of our other stuff and not like lean too heavy on the other Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. So in a way there's so much, so there's so much going on with this movie that like tells you why it is the way it is Yeah, for better or for worse. Um,
0: But I had, said all that uh basically my note that i was initially trying to get to was like uh the cap wanda conversation feels like something that should happen in act two like the low kind of the lowest moment of act two yeah of that theoretical avengers movie and it happens in like basically act one in this movie that is very telling
1: well it's it's I mean, it's. I think it's largely because he can't be the one to pick her up from the Avengers Mansion when she's kind of being held there. It has to be Hawkeye, all right? It doesn't have to be Hawkeye.
0: Well, I'm saying this conversation big, does, you know, is come out. good, but the fact that it happens in Act 1 is very odd if you're familiar, if you're like used to the structure of movies because it's like, I feel like this is a turning point, but it's Act 1. Like, what? what? <laughs> like... Any other movie would have had this be, you know, where the men like the leader and the mentor kind of has to pick up the pieces of like the character that is dangerously close to, you know, being at their breaking point. And then they are the catalyst to like save the day in the climax. And it's like, yeah, but this is act one. So what what are we doing with this? Movie? That's why it's like a lot of things kind of feel like, are you two movies in one? I feel like you're two movies in one because you're the way you come about things is a little, is a little unique. I'll put it that way. Cause that's, it doesn't frame it as like a hundred percent a negative. Yeah. Uh, I do have, well, I guess that doesn't matter because I know we have like four, like four other movie, movies to talk about.
1: Yeah. That's, that's my thing is that like, you know, I think we could actually spend an entire episode really picking this thing apart beat by beat by beat. But I don't think we really have to. I think the internet's done a very good job of this and there's probably plenty more that we would just end up agreeing with, with the larger, you know, larger fan base. Um, one thing I do want to do before we move on, like a big topic is like Tony's reaction to the video. And I just am interested to get your take on that. Like, is he justified in attacking? I Bucky? think
0: people always run into these problems by focusing on the wrong words. Okay. Okay. Because people want to know if Tony is justified, and that's not the fucking point. (laughs) Like, literally, Tony kind of addresses that in the scene by going, by when Steve comes at him with logic, and he goes, I don't care. Like, yeah, once he says that, like, it is officially like, all right, yep, nope. The scene will not resolve peacefully after this. (laughs) Like, it's. I think it's interesting, and I
1: think a lot of people get really upset. They're like, "Oh no, my my fave one of my faves is being this way." Or people are like, "There's Tony." It's like, no, 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 no. They are both their worst in this fight. Like they, Tony um, is his most selfish, his most self-aggrandizing.
0: I don't think Steve's at his worst necessarily.
1: I mean, what would I mean? I guess what is Steve's worst? That's a hard thing. I to think find.
0: Steve's worst is Nomad.
1: That's his worst. That's the worst he can be as a person. Because,
0: like, basically, what Cap ends up. To- okay, oh, okay. Here's the thing. We've we've started talking about Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah. Basically, Cap leaving is basically the simultaneously the most Cap thing and also the least Cap thing that he does. Is him going underground and just kind of like being this covert dude that cuts ties with all his partners and friends and allies and really just becomes he becomes Black Widow, which is weird if you've seen Winter Soldier, because it's the whole thing of like he influences Nat to be more like him. And then he kind of becomes Nat by the time Infinity War happens. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah, it's not a it's not like I'm trying to paint it as like a bad thing. It's just an interesting thing. I'm like, "Ooh. Um it probably would have been served if there was a actual 100% dedicated Captain America 3 though to ease that transition." Um yeah. I just I found myself there was a point in this movie I have this note written in all caps. So that's the thing is that at some point I was just internally screaming at Tony. I'm like, Look, bro, then I don't know why you don't just quit. (laughs) Because if anyone's going to save anybody, there's always going to be collateral damage. Yeah. Even if you're operating under UN oversight, because everyone goes, like, Tony's thing is like, we need to be put in check. And I'm like, being put in check is not going to save people from dying. I can tell you that right now. And Steve goes, all it does is shift the blame. And I'm like, yeah, that's the quickest way to just no sell the entire Sokovia Accords, is that it's like, what are you actually concerned about? Because you keep talking as if you're concerned about the casualties, but the casualties are not going to get affected. Right. It's it's being able to write away his responsibility for things
1: because he's had because he made the choice to change his life and and be a defender and then people still got hurt and so he needs he needs the accords so to, to wipe his sla- wipe his slate
0: clean yeah so it's just it's a thing of like tony's so tired and beaten up throughout this movie that i'm just like do you even want to do this anymore bro
1: <laughs> i don't think he does but i don't i don't think tony stark thinks he has a choice because because he's hooked up all of his cords are hooked up to this thing He like he said in Avengers, he's like, yeah, he's the leader, but I just fund everything and make everybody look cool and create all the tech and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, yeah, every ounce of Tony is like jacked into this thing because that's who Tony is. Tony can't stop. He says it in his conversation with Cap. He's like, yeah, Pepper and I are on the outs because I can't stop. Like this is my this is this is what I hooked myself up to and I can't unstick myself. And so that's why it's driving me crazy that I have to accept the guilt about all this when like, my mental health is directly tied to the success of the Avengers. Meanwhile, Steve is very much like, I try to keep a level head, and I don't, you know, and I do this, and I I let things go here, and blah, 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 and then he's pushed to the edge by people, by external forces, telling him that he has to do something a certain way, which he doesn't like, which is honestly very American. Um, and then we can get into why each of the other characters has their motivations, but we don't have time.
0: <laughs> I mean, really, the whole establishing that, like, Tony and Pepper on the outs because he can't stop working really calls into question the entire point of Iron Man 3. But, you know, that's another topic.
1: Um, Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, we have to we have to undo Iron Man 3 for him to exist (laughs) in the rest of the story and not even undo. I think there's actually something that to be said about like trying and failing to move on and moving on to a different version of the thing Like, I think there's a distinct difference between Iron Man post-immediate Avengers in Iron Man 3 and Iron Man through the rest of the franchise. And I think it's largely based on, like, how he chooses to support everyone else instead of taking on everything himself. Because that's very much the thing he wants to do in the original Avengers. He's very much just like, yeah, no, suit me up with enough stuff and uh, I'll take care of everything. I don't need anybody else. And then he has to learn to work with the team to the point where then we we get to it where... He takes Spider-Man under his wing in this movie and that becomes a whole narrative for, for mentorship later in the same way that Steve worries about worries about um, Wanda.
0: I'm more so just, I'm pressing forward because of time. Um, yeah, let's do it. I, We're not going to
1: spend that much time on Ant-Man and the Wasp, so like.
0: <laughs> I, bro, the Sharon stuff. Just as a concept.
1: Oh yeah, no, n- never needed it. Sharon Carter, Sharon Carter is a gerrymandered district when it comes to her, her, her puzzle piece in the MCU. Like, and that, that'll come up later when we talk about other stuff. But yeah, Sharon Carter, no one knew what to do with her and they keep trying to wedge her into things. And it's just, it's never worked for me. I also don't really like, uh, what's her face? Uh, Olivia Van Van Camp or Olivia Van Camp. What the fuck did I just say? What's her name? I'm not touching that.
0: I also have no idea who this person is, so.
1: I don't, I don't, I don't really like her as an actor in general. She did that like revenge show on ABC. I'm like, I've never really, liked
0: her, really liked her that much. Not touching that. Um, yeah. But I specifically wrote this note at the funeral scene, which mm, yeah. starts as a really kind of emotionally relevant thing that ties, you know, a lot of because again, we introduce this is it's like once you kind of really pay attention to structure and how things are written and. The fact that once you keep in the forefront of your your mind that movies, everything you see and hear in a movie is a decision made by people, it changes how certain things go. So it's like how I noted that the whole reason we had the introduction of Tony the way we had it was to kind of condense all of the relevant stuff that happened in previous movies into like, two singular interaction, like two singular scenes and then go all right that's why tony does what he does for the rest of the movie this is also a strong reason of why steve does a lot of the things he does for the rest of the movie because we set up that tony is in a very vulnerable mental and emotional state and then we put steve and also mm-hmm. in a very sensitive, a mental and emotional state. Um, so this is a very important scene, this funeral scene, however brief, it is a crucially important scene. And then we also have awkward romance kind of, but not really because Sharon is still furthering this, the point of the scene, but Sharon's presence itself is also kind of like a reminder of oh yeah this is a thing between these two okay yeah um i do love that falcon is there that's a really nice subtle touch um and specifically the conversation with uh nat and steve is also yeah. very good and we might as well jump on this grenade now because this is where it starts to get relevant. Do I wish Black Widow came earlier? Yes and no. Yes, in a narrative context, because Nat says uh, specifically, uh, staying together is more important than how we stay together. That line post-Black Widow movie is killer. That's an amazing, like like kind of just supporting of that movie and what she learned from that experience so if black widow somehow comes before this movie it also informs a lot of her decision making as well it's not a thing you need to kind yep. of re-explain or retro in the movie but yep. it's a thing of like if you know you know
1: um i mean that's we're getting into the flaws of when Black Widow came out and what it was, which we don't have time for, so... But I
0: just really wanted quick to, like, that is one of the reasons I kind of potentially would want Black Widow earlier, but in a more realistic sense, we needed Black Widow this year. We needed it in 2021, because in 2016, there is no Florence Pugh and David Harbour in those roles. That's correct. So the movie is fundamentally entirely different. <laughs> uh, also, just, right. you know, I don't think we would have gotten the way that villain works the same way in 2015, more realistically, because of how scripting yeah. stuff works. Yeah. Um, so just for those people. uh, T'Challa needed way more scenes before this. <laughs> really just kind of like in the same moment that he becomes relevant introduce him and i'm like no you can't do that no. i i mean okay <laughs> i'm not gonna fight i'm not gonna fight
1: on any of this i was totally satisfied with they definitely did give peter way more than they gave to chala um like when you look at like the actual screen time which like what does that say mm. um but I mean, what it uh, part of, another part of what it says is that Spider-Man is an infinitely more popular character prior to this movie than Black Panther. But, um, but yeah, so, like, there's that. I'm not going to fight you on any of this about how much time they spent introducing those two characters. In fact, I'd almost like to just continue to gloss over it for time. Yeah, it's that's really only relevant
0: thing. because of the role specifically T'Challa plays. That, like... Right, because uh, it's pretty big. He could have needed... He, he really needed a scene or two before this. Um... I will say oh uh one thing I picked up on this specific viewing that I've never picked up on before I'm an active duty non-combatant spoken in passing by Tony is a far cry from we are not soldiers from Avengers 1 Yeah that's a nice little touch on like the journey that character has had I've never noticed that but yeah that's a good point Not saying the journey is good. (laughs) I'm sure it's hell, but, like, (laughs) Um, I'm gonna be the one to say it. This is a weird way to bring in Spidey. Eh,
1: Weird, schmeared.
0: Like, it's just, it's specifically weird because this is such a personal conflict, and we're willingly bringing in, like, not just, because Peter's not just a stranger to these people he's also a stranger to us so there's really nothing to latch on to in this really personal story uh with a lot of great character interactions and then there's just this character we've never even met before so that's what i mean of just like this feels like a kind of weird way to bring in spidey because he you really just throwing him into the deep end right here and for t'challa it kind of makes sense.
1: I think tiptoeing in with anybody at that point, though, would have been, would have been a mistake.
0: No, um, I, because we tip we've, because we've done the origin so
1: many fucking times. I, I, am oh, no, no, no. fine with not. More doing
0: so what I mean is that going back to the whole, you really needed another Avengers movie. And then this could have been a potential Captain America three movie. I'm saying like in that potential, like Avengers movie, that's maybe a better time to kind of establish there is a Peter Parker in this universe. Maybe we even meet a Peter Parker in this universe. Maybe we even establish that Tony and him have a relationship in that potential movie. It's going back to the thing of, this is a really good Captain America story in the skeleton of like an Avengers framework, because we keep giving more time to things that don't really have a lot to do with the main stuff going on thematically or even from a plot perspective now all that said did i did i did i did i pop for the queens and knew immediately what was about to happen both from queens and from the music that came in yes that happened i was i remember specifically being in the theater and going like oh fuck yes and like grinning like an idiot, and then Tom Holland actually was good, and I was like, "Oh, thank uh-huh. you God!" <laughs> I'm like, I can't deal with another Toby, please. <laughs> oh God,
1: <clears throat> Paul Rudd. But yeah, I, I I loved him in this. I, I uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd very rarely does wrong. Um, Paul Rudd. That's it. That's the note. <laughs> he's very good in this movie thanks thanks for thanking of me um
0: i know you too you're
1: awesome <laughs> <laughs> you're great um and then yeah i mean i guess what other notes do you have my my last note is that like i'm sorry that the airport scene is one of the best scenes in the entire franchise uh everybody gets to It's fun because like they kind of get to be playful with each other in like the actual trying to stop one another. They get to all kind of show off their little tricks to each other and one up each other in that way. It's not like the same kind of tension you'd get in a, in a final boss fight because it's not like the insurmountable odds. It's like, no, we get, we don't know who's going to come out on top here and they're friends. So they get to quip with each other. And, but on the flip side, like there are some stakes here. And then the stakes kind of settle in and then the stakes get, elevated when roadie gets injured and vision enters the fray it's a whole thing that like there's so much there's so much going on that we couldn't that we can't talk about in this episode um in that in that fight really feels
0: like this is a pretty awesome climax to an avengers movie and then the later actual climax is the climax to this movie
1: right again same point you've been making
0: yeah it's like it's a thing that like it keeps coming up so often that i'm like god i don't want to keep taking down the same note <laughs> um i will say the the brutalness of the terrorist angle with zemo is kind of like it's a little bit tonally not on the same level as like basically anything else in the I, movie. That's okay.
1: I would like, I would like, I would like when we finally talk about Captain America and the Winter Soldier to then backpedal and talk about Zemo in this movie. That's fine. Um, because again, we don't have time, but I can talk about Zemo. Okay.
0: Uh, insanely good detail here that Nat and Clint basically use the same burn on Tony once after the airport fight like and they do it in different ways nat is very subtle and just lets it speak for itself and clint just fucking goes for the jugular like it's basically uh after roadie goes down with his spinal shit uh and tony kind of rounds on nat going like you so what's up with you uh you you let them escape and she's like you know if anyone's got to watch their back it's you and it's just this very subtle, like yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then in the in the prison, The Futurists. But it, but then in the prison, Clint goes, "Hey, watch your back with this guy. He might break it." And I'm like, "That's the same. Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> you like, ah, oh, I love it because it's like they're best friends. Of yeah, of course they would use the same fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I like geeky shit like that when it's like establishing the two characters that are very similar and have a lot in common actually act similar and have things in common.
1: Um, I think the actors have actually contributed to that a lot. Yeah. Like I think it's the, it's the, it's the Scarlett Johansson advocating for the arrow necklace kind of like level of like, this is important to me as an actor in this character. Can we work with this? And then people going, you're right. Yeah. Uh,
0: My last note is very telling this movie is wasted on people who think stakes only come from characters dying. Okay, one like I said earlier, the main thing you hear a million times that like this is just an Avengers movie, and it gets very tired very quickly, but like the second thing right after that is what's even the point of this movie? Nobody dies that's not what like there's what there's so much about. that
1: this movie <laughs> sets up there's so much this movie sets up for future development that's, <laughs> that's not how life works. <laughs> You've been watching too much James Bond.
0: It's like when people found out that apparently one draft of Endgame is just like Thanos stepping through uh, like a portal, like a time thing and just to- casually tossing the severed head of, of yeah. another Captain America and people going, oh... Why couldn't have we had that? That would have been awesome. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, but Galaxy Volume 2. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume
1: 2. Yeah, this whole thing. Uh, I was never quite satisfied with this from the get-go. Like, when I saw it in theaters, like, did they catch me at the end with the emotional thing? Sure. But uh, overall, this is not one of my favorites. It's not one of my things that I go back to.
0: I will say that this is a very, this is one of the few, those rare movies that's kind of flux. I could see this being one of those movies that, like, for some people, it just depends on the day. Yeah. And, like, some days the emotion works just right. Some days they're more willing to, like, you know, play along with the humor of it all. And some days they're like, meh. I think it's
1: just clunky like it's just kind of a clunky clunky. movie like in the beginning we're all expecting after the last film which a lot of which people loved that like their intro sequence will have so many laughs and it's gonna be so great to be refreshed with them in that first battle with the multidimensional being and it kind of isn't like it's kind of I don't know like it's almost like they held things back and and then you know we kind of have to reestablish like uh reestablish some other re- like relationships and like see like give us a little nod to how they progress to where it's like okay i guess they're gonna kind of be all parents to groot all right um how are we how are we managing that and like oh i guess in the runaway in the scene where they're running away from the sovereign quill and rocket are gonna fight but it's not really a justified fight or anything like that we don't we don't really see that in the previous movie, so it's not really earned for us. And then Ego shows up, and then it changes the entire movie.
0: Like, this movie is simultaneously competent with setup and payoff, and also does not do good setup and payoff. Right. Um. One of the easiest things to point out is that it would kind of be good to establish... It would be good to really, like, from a film standpoint very clearly demonstrate exactly why Gamora and Quill don't work at first and then have Quill make changes, relevant changes by the end and grow specifically in that way as a character. Or if you want the more unique and maybe even more interesting route, maybe he changes in a different way and you just don't do that. But you know, it is what it is. So the, like, demonstrating, like, maybe you could have a moment where Quill tries to dance with Gamora in more of the beginning of the movie, but he's kind of too playful about it. He's not taking it seriously, and he's kind of joking around, and, not, and she goes, no, fuck away from me.
1: elevates, yeah, then elevates the scene where they try to dance in a more romantic, private manner on Ego, and then they fight. Yeah,
0: and just establish that, like, the key is that Quill, that second time genuinely makes an effort and Gamora sees it and reciprocates. Like, it's a thing of, you need to kind of establish what the deal is. Because they do right. this shorthand of like... Instead
1: of just saying Sam and
0: Diane. Well, they, even more than that, like, they do this shorthand thing of like saying some some people dance and some people don't. And it's like, well, but that's, okay, but that's like too vague though. Like, what specifically yeah. about these two is keeping them... And also, I just, okay, I've avoided it long enough. Chris Pat is the worst part of this movie. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, Quill is somehow the least interesting part of a movie that is kind of revolving
1: around Quill. Yep. Rocket Rocket and Gamora and Nebula get to be far more interesting than
0: anything Even else. Even Drax is like, Drax has not just comedy moments, but also just really good moments. Yeah.
1: The scene with him and Mantis where he is just thinking about his past. We don't see it at all. And then Mantis is our emotional in for him is great. That's really smart.
0: Like there are so many elements of this movie that are really good and really interesting. And they they really get to like the soul and the core of like what makes these characters characters focusing on Gamora and Nebula for Gamora. Yeah. Focusing on like- And then
1: turning it, turning it when she says, I just wanted a sister. It's like, I don't think anybody going in was thinking that, thinking about nebulous feelings. And even then, in the moment, I was like, mm, that was weird. And then watching it again, I'm like, oh no, wait, no, this is right. This is good.
0: Yeah. Like every, basically everything has, everyone has a really interesting thing that gets to the core of who they are. And then Quill has his daddy tell him he's special. For half the movie, until he's like, "Oh, and uh, also, I killed your mom," and then it's like, an and action. then we get the
1: the payoff, yeah. And I'm, l- Any even then, their fight, their fight opposite each other was not that entertaining. When he's using superpowers, like I don't want to see Quill use superpowers. I really would have rathered he defeat him just being himself.
0: I would have, re- um, I would have preferred him beat him, like specifically because he has the team exactly. Like in that, the whole point. <laughs>
1: yeah is that he has a real family who is that and so like it falls short and even then like i don't think Yandu gets enough time with opposite quill to really justify the the grief yeah like, they lean heavily I, on a, the first one i think a but even then they don't get a lot of time together in that way i think a another flashback instead of just the clips that they show in the memories like uh I would have been beneficial but then also like i needed yondu to me was a villain at the end of the first one like he wasn't some sort of anti-hero he was a real antagonist and they made it very clear that he was forced to be reckoned with and then i needed him to kind of get worse before getting better
0: i mean personally i do kind of agree with you like i think a much more interesting and better way to start this movie is to have the same way guardians one started but from Yandu's perspective Right. And then because that provides a lot of the context for the rest of this from a thematic standpoint and from a character standpoint between these two characters that have this link with each other. Um, so instead of just always paying lip service to, oh, why didn't you do this? Why did you do that? Like, just show it. <laughs> like, it's a movie. You can do that because it really doesn't matter if we see ego with Quill's mom.
1: Well, it's one of those things where it's like, here, I already thought of a way to make it work. You see ego with Quill's mom, but it's not just a random day for them. It's it's his last day. And then
0: I thought that was what we saw.
1: No, we she never says that it's, it's it's his last day and that he has to leave. Hmm. Um and so like it's his last day and then we get one just very brief little scene where we see Ego a little less sympathetic. Like ha- bring Yandu into his ship being like, great, cool. I need you to bring me. I need you to bring me this one. And then cool. And then we get Yandu's reaction to that and Yandu, the weight that he has placed on Yandu to do this in the first place with just a look that I know Michael Rooker is capable of doing. And so it's like, you know, even just one little change in the original scene and an extra scene before the title sequence would have raised those stakes and made it made the emotional base so much clearer,
0: yeah. Um, the last thing I will say That's everything I on I have, yeah. Guardians is that, um, specifically for the humor, I kind of was able to pinpoint what well, it's the humor but also characterization. The thing that keeps coming back for me of why Guardians is such an odd like. I like it but I don't love it kind of franchise for me is that they're so intent on like kind of painting all of them as assholes when I think a better thing for me personally is if they were all weirdos and outcasts but only like one of them is an asshole they really
1: yeah they really lean into the asshole word what a bunch of a-holes right because they use that line they have to call them assholes forever which isn't necessarily a good
0: thing. Like no, it's it's like some so many things are just like it it doesn't work. Like if Rocket is the sole asshole, and then Quill is the rogue with the heart of gold. Gamora is the mom that doesn't really realize she's being a mom.
1: Reluctant mother, and like, yes.
0: Does not like being called the mother. And then Drax is like the oblivious, really insensitive one, but it's so funny that it doesn't really matter. The the himbo
1: with no the himbo with no sex yes. appeal
0: uh and like if you kind of just do it like that it just kind of becomes more fun for for a movie like this i'm like i'm surprised at how little fun i'm having <laughs> um that said of course of course the the scene where uh yondu gets his fucking fin back is fucking rad yeah yeah that's a good scene um how do you what do you think kurt russell was a good choice I don't think it matters. Oh, okay. I think it was a good Because choice. I think it's so hard to make that ego character interesting. Yeah. Like, because I think by this point, I've just seen that archetype way too many times.
1: The charismatic older gentleman? Well, no.
0: I mean, like, the guy that's like, you know, um, I know how to fix the universe. Me? type thing.
1: Speaking of which, uh, how do you feel about Will Poulter getting cast as uh, Adam?
0: I mean, I don't really care because I don't really know that much about Adam Warlock.
1: I mean, it's less about that. It's more so like, I don't, I still don't know how to this day, having seen him in a lot of stuff, how I feel about Will Poulter. He just looks like Sid from Toy Story to me. (laughs) God. Okay. So, Doctor Strange. We don't have to spend uh, a lot of time on this, I think Doctor Strange is just OK.
0: It is an aggressively average movie.
1: Right. It's like, you know, it it really is. And I think we're going to see so much like I think we're going to see. Doctor Strange really come into his own in his sequel, but it's unfortunate that I have to say that um, because he does get to be magic Tony Stark. Like this is just a different version of a similar character archety- character archetype, who comes to a different, uh, like comes to a different conclusion in his personal, you know, his in what he discovers to make him whole. Um, you know, the ancient one's not that interesting. I, you know, I think, I think uh, Tilda does her does her due diligence, and like the one person I want more of is Mordo, and we haven't seen any inkling of Mordo in seven years.
0: I just so don't care. You've given me no reason to care. Also, let's just... Might be the worst villain of all time. I'm sorry. No. Oh, yeah, Case
1: Elias, he's terrible.
0: You're like. I I rewatched this and I'm like he's a
1: vessel for a he's a vessel for a villain you can't pull off in micro doses. Dormammu has to be the way he was at the end here. Like there's no way to do him that that really works in this tone that you've set up for the cinematic universe that you know goes along that that allows him to be present through the movie in multiple instances. So you have to have this little puppet and you waste an amazing actor on a dude who gets just to, just gets to spout platitudes and be an opposition force
0: <sighs> fucking immortality knock it off your bingo cards people <laughs> just like uh it's always it's always fucking immortality isn't it god damn it <laughs> every time i hear immortality from a villain nowadays i'm just like oh shut up <laughs>
1: You know it's not going to work the way you think it is. You're,
0: you and your fucking immortality.
1: <laughs> um, They got what they wanted in the end. They just got turned into mindless blobs of, uh, like, Dormammu's actual servants are literally just these blob-looking guys who are called the mindless ones. Um, and they just become the mindless ones later.
0: Uh, the last thing I want to talk about with Doctor Strange, in your opinion, how would you improve the Strange character, specifically take him further away from Tony?
1: Well, after, this is the only one I rewatched. And after this rewatch, I applaud. Honestly, I this is going to be weird to say. I, I don't dislike Benedict Cumberbatch in the role. I think even just casting Joaquin Phoenix or uh, Keanu Reeves or someone else that they originally had in mind for this film changes it massively. I think Benedict Cumberbatch brings an arrogance to him that too closely resembles tony stark like there's a world a weird world like a tim burton mcu where benedict cumberbatch plays tony stark and so that's that to me is kind of the root of it is because it's an actor's delivery that's giving us because if you just stripped away the script in the moment where he like he loses his hands and they and he says to everyone else you ruined me It's like that's a that's a devastatingly specific thing to say to people who saved your life. And there's a lot of things he says along the way that it's like if it was just delivered differently or maybe it's the direction. I don't even know who the director of this movie is. And so maybe Sam Raimi in the sequel will take a different angle with this. That like. He needs to be he needs to be they show him to be pretty bookish, but it's too bookish. Similar to Tony Stark, just knowing technology, where he literally just picks up books, reads them, and is done. Like I think there's a, I think he needs to be nerdier. I think he needs to go to Wong and be like, hey, no, I read this. Can you talk to me more about this? This is fascinating. Like he doesn't get to be that. He just gets to go. I know it now. And I'm like, mm, that's actually not quite Doctor Strange. Like, <laughs> here's my reference point. I've, I, I, love the Lego video games, um, and that they. If you're playing with like a set of characters, those characters will just have inserted vocalizations while you're playing through a level as like a fun thing. And I don't always love them, but like the ones of Doctor Strange are always referencing like the things he's learned about. Like literally one of those is like, I read that in the Book of Vishanti when he does like a special move. And like, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want from Doctor Strange. Like he needs to be a little bit nerdier.
0: So this is gonna sound like the worst thing I've ever said, but I need you to bear with me. All right, you know Sheldon, right?
1: Oh, you want him more? You want him on the spectrum?
0: I don't need. I don't necessarily need him on the spectrum, but I, that kind of
1: you need him to not understand his assholishness.
0: Yes. Yeah. That kind of oblivious, cold, logic-driven, specific breed of like. He is doing asshole things, but he doesn't know he is. And he does save lives,
1: and so to him, it's justified.
0: Because, like, that's a good way to take, like, a surgeon. It's a good way to, like, you know, take that kind of profession where it's, like, I mean, in Scrubs, which is ironic, but, like, in Scrubs, um, it's a running gag that, like, surgeons are hyper-competitive. Yes, but they're also like not great at bedside manner. They're very much get in, get the job done and get out. And it's like yeah, that that should just be how Strange is, kind of. And it would be a nice kind of And
1: the script supports him being an asshole in other ways when he's like turning down patients for his reputation. Like the script does that for us. And so like it's a portrayal thing.
0: Yeah. Um it would be um, it would be which, also interesting to see that mirrored with Mordo, who you could maybe kind of be like they're both a little... Well, Mordo's
1: more emotional in general. He's
0: more emotional, but it's like his motivation is very logic-driven and, like, binary. And then by the end, you know, he's exceedingly logic-driven and binary, and it's like he's kind of lost the warmth that he needed to kind of Mm -hmm. counteract that. So it will be interesting to kind of pair that kind of Doctor Strange with that kind of Mordo and see how that like bounces off each other.
1: But the, I I do want to like specify this just one more time, though, because I, I got to dig at this because it's it's terrible. Um, The thing is that you, your want with with Doctor Strange could be pulled off by Benedict Cumberbatch in a performance, but yeah. I don't want him to do it. Because when he did the imitation game and anyone even remotely, remotely uh, suggested that Alan Turing was on the spectrum, he in an interview said some really unkind things about people on the spectrum, not like directly at them. But basically he said, well, no, he couldn't be because he's a genius. And it's like, that's not how that works. And then he like doubled down in like a J.K. Rowling way. And so that's like that's Benedict Cumberbatch's doghouse thing. To where it's like, it's interesting that you would want that out of a performance that Benedict Cumberbatch could pull off because he has done it before, but that's not how he approaches it. And he has a bad attitude towards it. I'm
0: specifically asking that from the character. I could give a damn who actually does it from an acting perspective. Um, It is shitty to say that. And it's like, God, can't just one person be okay in Hollywood? Fuck. Um, Yeah. All right. What's next? We got two more, right? Yep. I feel like this is the one we're going to fight about.
1: It probably is. Do we want to just talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp first?
0: <laughs> uh, the dearth of a movie? The movie should have been called The Wasp. I just uh, Why did it have to be
1: Are we talking wait, hold on. Just confirm. Are we is that Scream for Ragnarok or is I- that Scream for It could be Ant-Man for either Wasp?
0: for different reasons, but like. Okay. I Ant-Man and the Wasp. So here's the thing, it
1: shouldn't, again, like... You can't wait three days! Oh, yeah, right. Um, Yeah, that's fair. You can't wait three days till he's out of house arrest. Um, But then it wouldn't be as interesting, quote-unquote. Again, this movie should have been called The Wasp. I don't like that it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Paul Rudd is a secondary character besides the house arrest. Like, this is Hope's mission. This is Hope's story. This is her getting her mom back. And getting back getting a better relationship with her father. Why is it revolving around Scott? And it's because of contracts and bullshit, people thinking that the Wasp won't sell. Which is the exact not what would have happened. I guarantee you, if they would have made her the first female led solo film instead of Captain Marvel, it would have it would have been totally justified and people would have been on board with it. Because we liked this character, more or less. I mean, she does, you know, she was a little more dimensional, but like she gets more not the most but she gets more in this movie i think i think if they had approached it from that angle we could have been far more satisfied with this movie
0: i'm so tempted i'm so tempted to just say that this movie shouldn't even exist but
1: i mean it really here's the thing again this is this is probably the worst offender in we got to set this up it's the worst offender because it all culminates to a post credit scene to set up the quantum realm and that Scott gets stuck in it so they can solve Endgame. That's, that's what it exists to do,
0: which they still um, could have. Yeah. They still could have done with hope.
1: Yeah. They could have easily done it with hope. Hope could have actually, I mean, if it weren't for the fact that Paul Rudd is, is great in that role and does a great job in an, in, in end game, like, you know, minus the fact that Paul Rudd did it well, hope could have been the one to get stuck. And that would have been an interesting dynamic. But then again, she wouldn't have had the relationship with them from New York yada, yada or from Germany, yada, yada. Um, you I know, think there's a, a positive. lot of parts
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. Because it then makes you have to build a relationship.
1: Yeah. But then do you get the same? But then do they treat it the same way that Captain Marvel showing up in Endgame does where they all just kind of write her off or in it's bickering and yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah. I just think you're you're right. This movie, there's a justifiable world in which this movie doesn't exist. Um, or, like, I mean, very I would
0: have taken the hypothetical just the Wasp movie. Like, there's no nothing saying Paul Rudd can't still show up. But, like... Oh, no, he should be in it. But he
1: needs to not be the sole. Like, it's not his narrative.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, if you want to build up a thing of, like, he can't leave, can't leave, can't leave, and then when things are at their worst, finally he takes Boom. a chance, leaves, and then... They scramble to get things back in order. Just that's the one thing. Fine. But like the whole time I'm just thinking, I'm like, there's no ticking clock. There's no deadline. Yep. yep Why can you yep. not just wait three fucking days? Yep. Oh and Cause yeah,
1: the villain the villain is not quite a villain. Sonny Birch is annoying. I always like um, that though. That he's annoying?
0: No. <laughs> I always like when it turns out Oh, the villain's not really a Building. Oh, yeah. I like Ghost.
1: I want to see more of Ghost. I want Ghost to be in a Thunderbolts movie.
0: And I want, uh, 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 yes, Lawrence Fishburne. Yes.
1: Yeah. Goliath. Um, yeah, I thought that what they did with them was was great. But again, it's they're focusing on the wrong person. And then while it was unique and fresh to me when Ant-Man dealt with a new power that everyone underestimated, then in this movie they proceeded to make the most like it's all shrinking growing sight gags and that gets a that gets tedious
0: yeah so let's talk about ragnarok
1: all right go ahead no one will believe you so (laughs)
0: um god so i'm struggling with how to even start because look my big issue with ragnarok can basically be boiled down to a single ethos just like kind of how it was with dr strange and Amman the wasp really aside that's why i didn't take any notes because it kept going back to like Yeah, it just keeps going back to this one thing. It keeps going back to the one thing I had to say mostly about the movie, which is that, like, if you want to make Thor funny, fine. Do that, please. I just, and I cannot stress this enough, need you to not make him Star-Lord.
1: I see. I see where you're going with that because... I guess the difference is I don't care.
0: (laughs) I mean, for me,
1: it's like... I don't think he is. I think they're different.
0: It's like, at first I was saying, like, I need him to not be funny the way other characters are funny. And then I started to really think about it, and I'm like, but that's the thing. Characters are funny in different ways. Steve and Tony are funny in completely different ways. And then, like, I really sort of started to narrow in on, like, okay, what is actually the type of humor that thor uses in ragnarok well it's a bit self-deprecating while also still thinking you're the shit it's a lot of like kind of physical gags which is specifically with thor it's because like you know he's a god not a lot is really gonna seriously hurt him um and it's a lot of him getting tased and falling down that's just Star-Lord.
1: I okay, so here's the thing. I think there's a, uh, enough of a distinction for me, but the the metaphor is still Dungeons and Dragons related. Uh it's that like you say Quill is the rogue with a heart of gold.
0: No, I say he should be.
1: He should be. Um the thing about Thor and what I think that Taika finally nailed with Thor is Thor is the warrior like or, or the fighter or whatever, who his highest stat is not his strength. It's his charisma. It's his ability to be charming. He's a prince, you know, and it's, so it's one of those things where it's like he his he spends half the movie trying to either deal with stuff by physically overpowering it, which and then when he can't, he switches on the charm and he tries to rally people together and solve the problem. And, like, I think the best way to sum up Thor's personality in this that was a renaissance for the character, because before it was, yay, verily, I'm Shakespearean and righteous, and that was not fun for anyone. I think the slight difference in the alteration here is that Thor's whole thing is that, like, I'm not going to let anything get me down because that's what heroes do. Like... I'm going to face my, you know, and then it ends up being, you know, one of the things he has to get over is his own mindset in the next few movies, which is like, look, dude, you need to process everything you've been through. You can't just stare it in the face and go, well, I'm going to punch my way out and I'm going to have fun doing it. Um, That's 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 this interesting juxtaposition, which makes his next few his next few appearances. So interesting is that before he was a one-note character, and now he's a guy who has a very specific outlook on life, and that outlook is both going to help him succeed and going to hurt him in many in two different ways. Um, and he gets the added benefit in this movie of having some previous relationships long established to then play up and let him grow. I think the scene between him and Loki in the elevator, when they when he is finally mature enough to speak to Loki in the way that he would have in the way that Loki needs to hear is one of the most important scenes for their relationship, if not for the MCU. You know, and we'll talk about what it means for Loki's character. When we talk about Loki, I think that I think that what they chose to do with him, while it can be adjacent, like in the Avengers, they tried to either make him a buffoon. And then in Age of Ultron, they tried to make him more like Tony. And then like, okay, I can give you a little bit of, he's a little bit more like Star-Lord in this because he is in space. And that's kind of what the weirdness around him loans itself to. But I think there's enough of a distinction for a lot of people like me that makes it different and enjoyable, and I'd rather watch Thor head up the Guardians than Star-Lord.
0: I mean, at this point, I'm really hating that, like, Yondu had to die and Star-Lord. But anyway, um... Woo! Okay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> um... So... But then we couldn't get. Uh, there's somebody who's coming for not Chris Pratt, but coming in defense of uh, Star Lord in Infinity War. We'll talk about that later on the internet. But, like, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> but we never would have gotten to that point. But yeah, other things about Ragnarok because I have a lot of like really good pro things. Ragnarok I'm is not one of done. my. <laughs> yeah, I didn't
0: think so. Because here's the thing, I hate that his max stat is charisma because that's not like okay here's the thing so uh more than any other character you really can't fuck with thor because thor is thor it's not just going well in the comics it's literally like thor is a like a thing that exists <laughs> so it's like changing that is kind of like what? why would you do, why would you do that here like I could see changing, you know, fucking Nebula or some shit. Like, you know, something like... Yeah, but here's the thing is that, like,
1: the old version, which was based on assumptions of Thor from a Norse god mythology and from a comics mythology,
0: wasn't working. Look, I'm not saying that, like, the way they did Thor was good. But I am saying it was closer to what I need. In the sense that, like... Because, like I said, everyone's sense of humor should be very different and very specific to them. With Thor, you just, like, you have the perfect, perfect himbo. And I feel like you're not really tapping into that. Like, I feel like they did the whole fish out of water thing, but they did it boring. They did it, like, lazy. Like, Thor should be hilarious... And this, you know what, you know what revelation I had this week while banging my head against Ragnarok, trying to get my thoughts into words. You know what I want. You know what I want. Thor to be Buzz Lightyear. Okay, I get that. Like this fucker should be so deluded with his own hype, and so just ready to punch anything. <laughs> like, I. And, I mean, you couple that, you, like, kind of couple the desire to, like, just, can we just fight something, please, sentiment of Thor, with that little, there's one moment in one of the first two Thor movies, I think maybe the first one, that encapsulates the entire second half of Thor's character for me, which is when he arrives at somebody's house and he just hangs Mjolnir on, like, a fucking door hook. Oh, yeah, Selvig's house. That is actually that's thor that is all of thor (laughs) in like a single moment and that's what i want like i don't want thor to crack jokes i don't want thor to like snark and be sassy what i need is for thor to be like i am a god i am the prince of asgard I am Thor son, and, t- 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 and then gets shocked. Like because he takes himself sh- so seriously and like any time out of Asgard, nobody cares.
1: I think literally the only difference between what you're describing you don't like about it and what, and like what it actually is is, is the level of how seriously does Thor take himself and how seriously does Chris Hemsworth take playing Thor?
0: Like, cause I, at this point I don't see Thor. I see Chris Hemsworth.
1: Like, I guess that's more true in this movie, although, like, in... To jump to Infinity War, when when he's doing the whole, like, reactivating... Uh, reacting... Reactivating Nibidilear, and they... And uh, E-Tree goes, like, you know, you're about to take the full force of a star. It could kill you. And he goes, only if I die. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what that, you're talking
0: yeah. about. Yeah. Yes. I think... I, and I vaguely think it's just, remember- like... This movie is just that adjacent. But no, 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 no. I vaguely remember coming from ragnarok and going into infinity war i think i vaguely remember the thought of like yes just do that <laughs> like for some reason thor and infinity war was like the perfect in between that i needed of like you feel the weight you feel the tragedy He still gets to be funny, but he's not making jokes. It's people's reactions to him that are funny. And he is very, like, stoic and straightforward and single-minded. And also has, like, that talk with Rocket, which is so great. And then he gets to say badass lines like the one you just said. And like he gets, or to, like
1: the bring me Thanos moment, yeah. And he
0: gets to like do badass things, like when they create Oathbreaker. And uh... here's my
1: argument. Here, here's my argument. I think you're right that that Infinity War is the best Thor, um, but I don't think you can get from Age of Ultron Thor to Infinity War Thor without this pit stop. I mean, in terms of the character arc and the way that he gets to. Release himself of some of these other things that were tying him
0: down, I mean, look, if I had my way, I would completely just scrap and redo all of Thor, but at the same time, like, I don't think that just because Ragnarok is a soft reboot, I just immediately am gonna agree with how they did it, like yeah, there's a silliness to this movie that really just is totally dissonant with what's actually happening in the movie.
1: Well, yeah, I think that has to do, I think that's something that Taika, Taika and directors like him very explicitly do. They're like, we're going to make this villain really dark. Actually, you know what? James Gunn literally did it. I mean, not that it was, not that Ronan's a great villain, uh, but like, that's literally what James Gunn did. He had this villain who takes himself very seriously and is a real, real threat. And then the the people who are opposite them are doofuses. And that's the same formula that Taika used here.
0: And it's like, I think basically my version of Ragnarok that I really wanted was, and again, I kind of I kind of have to ignore the first two because they already fucked it up. I've already talked about how I want to change them, but I can't do anything about it. But like here, it's a thing of, I want Thor to be serious, but have a sense of humor. But like at times where it makes sense, like um i don't know there's just a there's a flippant nature about a lot of things in this movie that i'm like thor shouldn't really be flippant about this like the whole prospect of like okay my dad's missing loki has replaced him uh i literally don't know if my father is alive because it's loki he very easily could have just found a way to kill him Uh, and then it becomes a joke. It becomes just a joke of like, all right, enough of that. Let's go find Dad. And then they find Dad, and then Dad dies. And then just the plot just keeps going. And then he loses Mjolnir, and he says he's broken up about it, but like nothing really gives that impression. Because again, it's still fun, and jokes, and like, you know, throwing a ball against a, a window, and it clonks him in the head and he jumps back up and he goes that's what heroes do like it, it just it doesn't really like line up but if like thor was a modicum more serious and he genuinely felt the loss of his father of mjolnir and the fact that he really just has no idea how to read loki anymore and it's just he has no idea what to do about this situation and Hela's on his on her way to fucking Asgard. He doesn't know what to do, like because it's a thing of that's a lot when you say it all out loud. It's like holy shit. Yeah, that's actually a lot.
1: <laughs> but again, I think the the character that you want is what I said. He actually kind of is in this case where it's like that. He's the kind of he's the kind of character where he kind of wants to just get to the fight. And I think the big thing here is that he can't physically get to the fight. He's stuck on another planet, um, and. So, like, I can't imagine him sitting down and going, I need to process. I can't imagine that. Like, sure, you can make him more serious, but I don't think that 100% lines up with. With him, like having moments of showing his grief, I think that he's actually handling this decently maturely uh, which is I think something that we liked about that the rest of us liked about this movie
0: I don't I would not call any of it mature I actually would because it feels more avoidant I think
1: there's a maturity to dealing with what you have to deal with right now I mean I th- they can both be mature I think that is my point like I think there's a maturity to dealing with dealing with Loki and knowing your strengths and then discovering hey I even have even more strengths Um I think that or or let alone the arc that Tyka sets him on helps him mature. Because I think that conversation with Odin and the vision, when he's like, you're not the god of hammers. And then he's like, you're right, I am the god of thunder. I can then come into my own even more and solve the problem.
0: Also, yeah, like I don't imagine Thor like talking out his emotions and stuff when I said that. I more so meant like he's stewing like i see okay stewing like you know he's kind of fuming
1: that's a good way that's a good way to put the note yes
0: because i just because
1: with the way because the way we see that is the joke scene with hulk at night
0: yeah which i uh it's just a thing of like i just wish all of thor was different it's like the same way i want to redo the first two i still want to redo this one because it's like there's still something not fundamentally working for me. I don't relate to him at all in like any sense. I know he's a god, but like there's a, there are ways to like make characters like that accessible on some level. Um and just it's like honestly, they had a really interesting chance. They had a chance to make a really good fantasy franchise within the MCU. And they never really wanted to do that. And I don't know why they didn't really want to do that. To the point to the point where the reboot is like an 80s throwback. And I'm like, so we're really just not going to get anything. And it's
1: going to stay that way.
0: Yeah, right. And I'm like, we never even got a chance to th- seriously do the more like fantasy, like magic.
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Eternals pans
0: out. <sighs> I mean, I don't want to say that I'm not hopeful. There's a whole, there's a lot of theories. Actually, this will be coming
1: out right after when the Eternals comes out, which is so funny. Um, there's a lot of theories that only a few of the characters are going to make it out alive and there's not going to be a sequel. Because it's a lot of high paying people for to start a franchise. But it also sucks because how most of them are people of color. And they potentially are going to die. And there's a whole plot point with the Eternals and like how they are immortal. has something to do with like a sacrifice machine. And so like there's a question of do they turn off the machine and then some of them just age and go away. Um, So there's a lot. I think there's a lot of questions as to whether or not this is a a franchisable title or if this is truly like. Like uh, an amuse-bouche of other Marvel history to set up mutants.
0: <sighs> honestly, the entire state of the MCU is so nebulous right now. Yep. I think that's intentional. I don't know if I've gone on record on this podcast, but like, God damn it. Tom Holland cannot just get a single, just straightforward Spider-Man movie. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I'll never understand the thought process there.
1: Yeah. That's going to be the irony is that the agreed, the agreed upon best, uh, best Spider-Man Peter Parker combo doesn't actually get to be his
0: own solo thing. Of all these fucking shows, I just want a Spider-Man show. Just just can we just have a Tom Holland Spider-Man show?
1: There's a there's a lot going on where people are theorizing that because of the way Tom Holland's talking about it in interviews, the concept of No Way Home is going to mean that Peter is going to get stuck in some like pocket universe or something and never come back. Um so that nobody can and then they're just gonna recast Spider-Man in the Sony verse.
0: Fuck oh, God oh, mm. Yeah. Alright, I've made myself sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, uh, do you have like literally anything else?
0: <laughs> I guess worth there's I guess we should talk
1: about other things in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I think that I think that Hiddleston, I think that I honestly I think the cast is a powerhouse. Um, Tessa Thompson's a great choice. I think she brings a lot yes,
0: to it. I love Tessa Thompson! I think
1: she brings a lot to the to the overall arc of everything. Um I think that I like I think having her have a previous connection with Thor is a smart idea, and making her Valkyrie. Well, but that's um, a, I like oh,
0: but very very key though, she does not have a previous connection yeah, with Thor. Which I thought was a really missed opportunity.
1: I mean, I guess it just implies that she's older than him. Um I mean I think Carl sure. I think uh yeah. I think Carl Urban's the the less exciting part of all this. He's kind of the weak le- oh, point in the yeah. cast.
0: Everything with um, Hella and him. I like Hella. Um, I like I
1: Hella. He, I just think that his character is not.
0: Hmm. I would have
1: rather he be. I would have rather he not be a stooge. Like I think the stooginess is the. I think his stooginess is the humor I could do without. Um. He doesn't need to be redeemed at the end or anything like that. It's not really a relevant plot point. Um, I think him just being her executioner from the get go, he was imprisoned with her great concept, but yeah, I think Muff- Ruffalo does a good job in this one. I think it's was fresh and nice to see Thor again. I think it gave a nice nod to a very cool storyline with world, War- with, uh, with, um, planet Hulk, uh, without having to really get into it and did it in a nice way. Um, Jeff Goldblum's fun as fuck.
0: um, can I say something really uh controversial? Sure. I don't get the Jeff Goldblum thing.
1: Like you just don't get why people like him. I
0: don't understand the fascination. Yeah. Like he's just a guy. He's a, he's to a me. smooth fox.
1: He's a smooth fox. People like smooth foxes.
0: I mean, he wasn't a fo- he wasn't like a fox in Jurassic Park, like and people still feel Yeah, he was. What are no, you talking hear, about? When I hear Fox, I jump to silver hair Fox. Yeah, no, but. But like, I don't know. I'm. At this point, I'm kind of. I'm good on the whole. Corginess of corg, too. Like. There was maybe a time where I found that really funny. And that now it's like, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's main. Mainly the main thing is I wish I I wish Hella got like interesting shit to do. As it is now, she kind of feels a little. I hate to say run of the mill, but she kind of feels a little run of the mill at this point.
1: I mean, I think I I can agree with you in that the performance by, Cate Blanchett is more fun than the character on paper. Yeah. Cause yeah, she doesn't actually do that much. She's just automatically super powerful from the beginning, easily takes over Asgard. Not a lot of like struggle there. And then they come back and try to beat her. They can't beat her. And then they have to come up with another way. Um, So
0: that's, that's kind of it. we actually
1: got through that a lot quicker than I thought we were going to.
0: Yeah, I was purposefully also like four of these movies. I'm very indifferent indifferent. On. Yeah, I was gonna say three of them.
1: Three of them, we knew the exact problem. We we described it. We said it, and we were done.
0: Oh God! So we spent
1: easily half this episode on Civil War alone,
0: which makes sense. So for me in November, this was like well, aside from what we're doing towards the end, which I can go either way. This was really, of the ones that we had like planned for the early parts of November, this was like my quote-unquote hardest one. Uh, we're recording this before we've done the other two things in November that we're doing, and I'm actually like, I'm psyched. And I'm like, because <laughs> they're going to be real easy rewatches. And I can't remember the last time I was like, oh yeah, I get to watch this, instead of, I kind of have to watch this.
1: <laughs> Good for you, bud.
0: Good for oh, you. Oh, God. So, I have no idea what the order that we're going to do for this month, so I'm not going to say anything about those. But, yeah. November is supposed to be our uh feel-good month, again, with the exception of, like, the later stuff in the month. But,
1: yeah. I mean, this this is kind of an open book. We have not finished talking about this arc of Phase 3. So, this was us just laying the groundwork of all the stuff that, we could fit into one episode, conceivably.
0: Yep. So, any lasting thoughts?
1: Uh, No, it's my favorite thing, as I've said before, and it will continue to be, and there's not going to be any run out of content anytime soon, so I can't wait to talk about the next nice one. E.
0: Um, I know I mentioned her once, but I love Florence Pugh. Okay, bye! <laughs> bye! <laughs>